It's time for more facts about the vax. Let's talk about some monkey business on this episode of Pushback. you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello everyone, it's Dr. Johnny here again, and it's time for another episode of Pushback. My last podcast, we were on location in northern Kentucky at the Ark Encounter, the full-sized replica of Noah's Ark, and it was wonderful. And I, I do feel... I always leave that place and that museum energized uh, in the truth, the truth of scripture, the truth of his word, of the truth of science. Uh, and I know that over the rest of this season and into next season, I'll be talking a lot about creation versus evolution. And it's so important uh, that we as families understand the truth and that we can stand solidly on the biblical foundations that the uh, worldly culture is so hard, so uh, adamant to knock down and to break down. Why? Because they know that it's true, <laughs> and there's actually scientific evidence that proves it. And and so we, um, I, I do want to arm you with that information. Uh, today, however, I'm going to do another installment of facts about the vax. It's been a little while since I've gone back to COVID and other things that are happening. Uh, this one is going to be very little bit about very little about COVID and much more about other things that are happening uh, in this world. So I'm going to put my medical hat back on again. Uh, and and as we talk about medical things and and viruses and the things in this world, remember that it's never about fear. Um, the goal of this podcast is to inform, not to fear. Um, because uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And so it is possible for us to process the things of this earth through a kingdom lens that he gives us and even our brain, uh, a sound mind where we can process these things. And my medical degree hopefully helps a little bit with that and helps you as kingdom families process through some of the things that are going on in this world. And so if you need to review some of the old facts about the vax, there are several installments. I don't even know what number this is, but since, uh, since 2020, uh, I've been talking about this at different intervals, trying to give you updates on what is happening. Um, but I want to start with some monkey business because in the news lately has have been uh, this have been stories regarding the monkeypox, the monkeypox, and we kind of go, oh no, here we go again. Um, but I I do want to tell you a little bit about it and what's going on, and and hopefully maybe even put your mind at ease to a certain degree. Monkeypox is a very rare disease. Um, it's caused by an infection with the monkeypox virus. Now, monkeypox virus is the same family of viruses that actually cause smallpox. Uh, and so it's very similar to the symptoms of smallpox. Uh, but it's much milder. And the most important thing to hear is that monkeypox is rarely fatal. And it's not related at all to chickenpox. 
So it is a, a, a problem because it can spread uh, and it can spread fairly rapidly, uh, but it is, is uh, rarely, rarely fatal. Monkeypox was discovered in 1958 when two outbreaks of pox-like disease occurred in colonies of monkeys kept for research. Despite being named monkeypox, the source of the disease remains unknown. However, African rodents and non-human primates, like monkeys, might harbor the virus and infect people. Um, the first case of monkeypox was recorded in 1970. Prior to this 2022 outbreak, monkeypox has been reported in people in several Central and West African countries. And previously, almost all the cases of monkeypox were people just traveling to those endemic areas uh, and uh, contracting the disease. Um, and then brought it back and it had to occur on multiple different continents. Unfortunately, now, though, we're seeing an outbreak that is sort of spreading across the world. <laughs> Have we heard this before? Uh, total confirmed monkeypox uh, cases now is almost 9,000. 9,000. In Minnesota, we have 52 confirmed cases of monkeypox. New York has 2,000. 2,000 cases in the state of New York. Uh, so let's talk about symptoms of monkeypox. What is going on here? People with monkeypox get a rash uh, that may be located on or near the genitals. It can be on other areas like hands, feet, chest, face, mouth. Um, the rash goes through several stages, including scabs, um, especially before healing. The rash can initially look like pimples or blisters, uh, may be painful or itchy. Other symptoms of monkeypox can include um, typical of a viral infection, fevers, chills, swollen lymph nodes, uh, fatigue, muscle aches, headaches, um, some respiratory symptoms such as a cough, congestion, sore throat, but usually nothing too severe from that standpoint. Um, you may experience all or only a few of the symptoms. Some people have a flu-like symptoms before they get the rash. Some get the rash first. Others only experience the rash, so it's real variable as far as how it presents that way. Um, the monkeypox symptoms usually start within three weeks of exposure to the virus. If someone has uh, flu-like symptoms, uh, they will usually develop a rash about one to four days later. Um so monkeypox can be spread from the time the symptoms start until the rash is healed and all the scabs have fallen off and a fresh layer of skin has formed. So it's pretty contagious until we actually get to the healing of the skin portion. The illness typically lasts about two to four weeks, which unfortunately is a long time to be contagious. So what about spread? Uh, this has certainly been in the news uh, lately. Monkeypox can spread to anyone through close, personal, often skin-to-skin -skin contact, including direct contact with monkeypox uh, rash, scabs, or body fluids from a person with monkeypox. And so that obviously is going to include intimate behavior as well. Touching objects or fabrics, clothing, bedding, towels, or surfaces that have been used by somebody with monkeypox or contact with respiratory secretions. So obviously it's close personal contact or touching objects that have had close personal contact with somebody with monkeypox. A pregnant person can spread the virus to their fetus through the placenta. It is possible for people to get monkeypox from infected animals, either by being scratched or bitten by the animal or by preparing or eating meat or using products from an infected animal. So all that stuff is a little um, 
disconcerting for sure, uh, but certainly come, something to keep an eye on, especially as cases are tending to kind of increase in the general area. So what do we do to prevent from getting monkeypox? Well, hopefully you guys are experts at this by now, considering the last two to three years that uh, we have been dealing with viruses spreading rapidly uh, across our population. Uh, you avoid close skin-to-skin -skin contact with people who have a rash, and that looks like monkeypox. Avoid contact with objects and materials that a person with monkeypox has used. Wash your hands, soap and water, alcohol-based hand sanitizer, especially before eating or touching your face or after you use the bathroom, etc. I believe maybe this is just, you know, common sense, but also just a new way of life here in America uh, as we're dealing with these uh uh, vac uh, but dealing with these viruses and as they spread across our population, people should take precautions to reduce their exposure to monkeypox until immune, uh, until they know that their immune system is protected. And here we go. Are you ready? There is a vaccine. <laughs> it's actually similar to the smallpox vaccine. Uh, and so again, people who are severely ill, weakened immune systems, you're going to want to talk to your healthcare professional about perhaps getting vaccinated. So here we go again. There are no treatments specifically for monkeypox, similar to when COVID first out, uh, had its outbreak. Um, however, because they are uh, very similar to the smallpox virus, there are some antiviral drugs and, of course, this vaccine that can help prevent the spread of smallpox. Um, or monkeypox. So stay tuned. I'm certain more recommendations will be coming around as well. But again, there is a vaccine available. Now remember, vaccines are not foreign materials that give you some kind of artificial immunity. They are deactivated viruses that allow your own natural immunity to react to the substances so you don't have to get infected with the disease to still get protection against the disease. That's why vaccines work very well, which transitions me to COVID-19. I know this has been certainly a controversial topic. Uh, as of this podcast, 79% of Americans have at least had one dose of the vaccine. 69% are fully vaccinated. Now, again, when we talk about herd immunity, we like to get to that 70 to 80% level if we can. So, um, that leads us to booster shots. Okay. So we know that the protection of these vaccines don't last forever, uh, and boosters are often required. And so, uh, someone like me, I've gotten two doses of the original vaccine and one booster because I'm over the age of 50. I'm probably going to need another booster here shortly. Uh, and I, I'm assuming that these follow-up boosters are going to be considered quote-unquote optional, but again, it depends on where you work and, and what field that you're in. Now, if you are high risk or you are unvaccinated at this point, obviously getting vaccinated is the key. And, and I, I believe with all of my heart and have been preaching this over the last couple of years, that it's because we have this 70 to 80% vaccination rate. This is the reason why COVID numbers are improving so dramatically 
now. Um, hospitalizations and deaths are way down. Uh, cases are still steady, but generally going down. And the cases that we've been getting have certainly been mild. Now, of course, in the unvaccinated, cases are still tending to be a little bit more severe. I just had a gal in the emergency room last night uh, who was in her mid-20s and she tested positive for COVID, and she was sick. I mean, she was achy, uh, but her oxygen saturations were good. She's going to do fine, but because she was unvaccinated, I could tell by looking at her that she is actually sicker than my vaccinated patients that I've been seeing testing positive, and that's what we've been seeing across the board. Vaccinations, the uh, COVID vaccine has been protective against the severity of the illness, against hospitalizations, and definitely uh, for deaths. And so vaccinations have been extremely effective and have been the reason why we are starting to go back to some normal life. My wife, and I are at, my wife and I were at Costco the other day, and the big plastic barriers are down. She told me they've been down now for several weeks. There are just certain little things that are starting to feel like maybe we're getting closer to back to normal. So we'll see. But again, the key is protecting ourselves, protecting our immune systems, not giving this virus places to replicate and to harbor itself over and over again with the risk or the chance that there would be a variant that comes out that becomes um, more problematic again. So consider the booster. Now, you may consider waiting to get the booster until the fall. And the reason I say that, I know we're not very far away from the fall, but if you consider waiting until you get the booster in the fall, the advantage of that could be is that there might be a flu-COVID combo that's coming out. We're hoping that was going to be the case. And that can just simply protect you against both. You know, we have a southern hemisphere to this planet, and that's actually kind of helpful because the southern hemisphere, while we're in our summer, they're having their winter, and, and we've been seeing, unfortunately, a very bad influenza season in the south hemisphere. And so we can prevent that, my friends. I know the flu shot, it's been difficult to vaccinate people against influenza, but I can tell you with firsthand experience, and I've given this testimony before, big strapping farmer men in my emergency room curled up in the fetal position, whimpering because they have influenza. It is no fun to get it. And a simple flu shot, very safe, very effective, can prevent you from getting influenza. Since I've worked in the medical field, of course, I've been required to get the flu shot. I have never had influenza. I've never gotten it. And that's a beautiful thing because it is a severe illness. And as you get older or you're more immunocompromised or, or even a big strapping farmer, you are going to get infected with influenza and it's, it's, it's a very unfortunate disease and can make you very sick. And every year, of course, there are um, a significant number of deaths uh, that come from influenza. It's usually the elderly, the weak, or the immune compromised. Uh, but this is not a benign illness. And it is not beneficial to your body to actually go through an illness that attacks your cells, your respiratory system, uh, and weakens you. All of us who have had COVID or have cycled through this COVID season, our immune systems are probably already just a little tweaked from fighting all of these things. And it's not to our advantage to keep getting these fairly significant viral infections. Vaccines are a safe, effective way to prevent this from happening in the first place. 
So all that being said, there it's very possible that there will be a combo flu COVID vaccine coming this fall. And that would be nice and certainly convenient. And so if you're on the fence about getting a booster um, and you're young and you're healthy and you have no other risk factors, I would say it's a reasonable thing to maybe consider waiting for that. If you are not vaccinated, you need to start the vaccine soon, as fast as you can, uh, especially heading into the winter season. Um, or if you are at a higher risk population, you may want to just go ahead and get, get your booster and get protected as fast and as quickly as you can. So again, talk to your physician, look at the information online, uh, and you can make that informed decision for you and for your family. There is something called Paxlovid, which I prescribe not too infrequently. Uh, this is an antiviral medication. It's sort of the COVID equivalent of what we call Tamiflu, which is a antiviral treatment uh, for uh, COVID-19 called Paxlovid, uh, P-A-X-L-O-V-I-D. Um, it's a uh, proven effective treatment, uh, especially in those who are unvaccinated. So Fairness and Disclosure Act, it's actually been treated on, or actually been tested on unvaccinated people. And those who have been, again, more high risk population have been given Paxlovid and it's been shown if it's given early in the course of the infection, usually within five days, that uh, there is a shortened course, a better outcome, decreased hospitalizations and death uh, from using Paxlovid. Of course, the studies are a little bit less conclusive on those who have been vaccinated, who are otherwise healthy. Does it make that much difference? Does it really help? Um, I think, again, if you can catch it early uh, and you can uh, uh, treat within first five days of symptoms, I believe it does shorten the course of things. And I certainly have used it. I used it on this gal in the emergency room because she was unvaccinated. And so I believe that it would be beneficial for her. Studies have shown it would be beneficial for her and safe for her to take that. And she was um, certainly willing to do that. So look for Paxlovid as an option if you do test positive for COVID. Um, and if you have symptoms, it's to your benefit to let somebody know quickly, get tested um, so that you could potentially be treated. Um, because after five days, it becomes pretty meaningless uh, as far as treatment goes. And the last thing I want to talk about in facts about the vax is sort of an exciting thing on the horizon about a, another vaccine, uh, if we can go for the trifecta here today in the vaccine world. But they uh, it's in a final clinical trial for a Lyme disease vaccine. And for many people in the country, you might shrug your shoulders and go, eh, okay, but for especially those in my area, um, I live in an extremely endemic area for Lyme disease. Now, because this is a public service announcement, I'm going to just educate you on this. It is Lyme disease, not Lyme's disease. <laughs> There's no apostrophe S. So it's Lyme disease. Uh, and it's caused by, uh, you'll be very happy to know, not a virus. It's caused by a good old bacteria a bacterium called Borrelia burgdorferi. Um, <laughs> I've said it many times, it's a little bit hard to say. Uh, Borrelia burgdorferi. Um, and it's caused and transmitted through a deer tick. And I want people to understand that very specifically, it cannot, I say cannot, be transmitted through a common wood tick. 
So deer ticks are smaller. Uh, look it up online, get some pictures. Um, the problem with deer ticks is that they're so small sometimes that they are very undetected. And that's sort of what makes them kind of sinister and hard to, hard to know whether you've been exposed or infected. And that's where this vaccine could be extremely helpful, helpful especially in our area. Um, there, uh, the studies that's now underway include 6,000 participants in the U.S. and Europe who are at least five years old and who live in places where Lyme disease is highly endemic. So what are those places in the United States? Well, it's the New England states, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. New England states, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. Those are the endem highly endemic areas of Lyme disease. So when a headline comes out that they're in the clinical trial for Lyme disease vaccine. That makes me very excited. They're hoping maybe 2025 would be the earliest that it would be available considering clinical trials go fine and things move forward. Now remember vaccination is safe and super helpful and getting Lyme disease is not. <laughs> Lyme disease is uh, of course, I've seen it many times, extremely destructive to your body, to your joints. Um, uh, sometimes can have lasting effects, even on mental functioning uh, and uh, ongoing abdominal problems, nausea, achiness, uh, orthopedic problems. There's a whole wide range of problems that uh, Lyme disease not only gives acutely, but sometimes chronically in people. And so if we can prevent that with a vaccine, uh, that would make a huge difference in a state such as Minnesota. And so please keep uh, an open mind as far as getting the vaccine. And then when it's available, I would highly recommend that you pursue it uh, for you and for your kiddos, who especially are out running around in the woods. Uh, we don't want to um, ha have that uh, concern about uh um, contracting Lyme disease. So stay tuned for that. Um, it's certainly an exciting thing that's coming hopefully down the road. It's interesting because they apparently they developed a Lyme disease vaccine about 20 years ago, um, but there was very little interest. Uh, there wasn't, the Lyme disease wasn't nearly as endemic as it is now. And so it's actually increasing and expanding again, uh, like other infections we've been talking about over the past two to three years. Um, and so now it's a completely different culture. And I think the interest would be uh, through the roof. So, um, so remember, uh, vaccines have been around for years and years. They're very safe and effective, and I believe God-given uh, because it protects us from these horrible things that are happening. So I appreciate your time and listening to this. And of course, I'm always open to feedback and for questions. So pushbackculture.org if you have questions about vaccinations, about monkeypox, about COVID, about the Lyme disease vaccine. I would love to hear your comments and questions about that. And I will honor those and respect uh, your questions and answer them with honor and respect. Um, I'd love to share them on my podcast in the future if you have real concerns that you would like to share with my listening audience as well. So uh, pushbackculture.org. You can also go to gofam.org if you want to learn about our ministry, our travels. Uh, this summer, things are really picking up now in our ministry uh, post-COVID uh, with a lot of invites to a lot of different areas. And so it's been our privilege and honor uh, to share our life-giving family messages uh, all across the country. So thank you for your attention. I really appreciate you. We would value your input and your donations. Again, there's a place to donate on pushbackculture.org. Um, and I would really value that as well. So until next time, let's go together now.
to set and shape the culture.